some tinnitus sufferers have an experience where where an alien descends in the night and <laughs> impregnates their ear canal. And then they go to the doctor and say, I think this is what happened. What do you think? What? Lego my ego brunch in a jar just for adults. Food news you can use. Whoa, what? Booze-infused liquor. What? Paper machines can play jazz. But does anyone want to watch one take an extended solo over Coltrane's giant steps? I think not. What is the quality of the intentionality in that kind of content? What? What a treat for this audience to have you guiding us through the next disruption. I don't like the way you said you. Hello and welcome to 9000 episode 182 episode Nitro Rain R-E-I-G-N Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know how to spell rain that way? No. Well, you know, welcome. Sounds more like Nitro Rain. Well, like like nighttime is the right time to be with the one you love. It's pitter-patter against the Oh yeah, glass of a cityscape. You're looking out at Brooklyn Bridge. Raindrops beat it on the pane. Yeah, what? (laughs) The raindrops they beat up on the pane of glass, Mark. Rain, I get it. You got to keep up. I thought you were. That's the rain you were talking about, wasn't it? Well, rain, like rain. You think of rain of terror. You can think of a benevolent rain. There have been some of those, right? They probably got stamped out early on. Maybe Trump. Oh, that's a good point. The peacemaker. Oh man, it's been a minute. It's been more than a minute. So good to be back in the basement. There's been some changes we need to discuss. Oh, have there? Oh, you mean in the setting? Yeah. yeah. I think it's since I've been gone, we've increased the amount of wall art, and we have upped the sort of I, I the rumpus room. Yeah, the <laughs> like teenage boy rumpus room vibe with a vintage Bowie poster. Uh. It's not actually vintage. It was hanging upstairs in my older son's room, but it was like on the back of a door and it kept getting ripped up. So I was like, I'm going to move it down here. Is that the Ziggy? <laughs> that's the Ziggy phase, right? Uh, is that the Ziggy Stardust costume? The get-up? That looks Ziggy. It's got we the got platform it. boots, the lightning makeup. We have some nice, some nice. Uh, uh, You're talking about things no one can see. <laughs> what is that poster? Uh, that's a Herbie Hancock poster. We ordered some posters, like, from some, you know, like a print shop. I don't know. It was, like, cheap posters online. And you could get obscure stuff, but then they show up, and it's, like, it looks like they took a low-res photo and just blew it up. Sons of bitches. Yeah. But this MF Doom poster, that is crisp and clear. No, well, I have a Herbie Hancock story for you. Of course you do. I was discussing it with my, uh... Guitar teacher this week. Uh, Is he coming down to you now? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're doing some, we're, we're getting deep. You can see the potential. Tetra chords. Now listen. He wants to be absolutely known in the circle as like Mark Brushes. I was the guy that brought this guy teacher to the to to everyone's attention. Excuse me. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? You're saying you made this guy's career by being no, a student? He, isn't that what you're saying? I was saying eventually that would be the outcome. Right, that's because, what I'm saying. Because he, he heard your raw power. 
Right. Well, finesse, let's say. That's exactly where we are, by the way. Where he's just in awe of your dexterity? No, no. Oh, okay. The... Because it's a it's a it's a discipline, right? You're studying the language of music and all of the all the theory crap that gets bandied about this house. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're in the thick of it. And you're like, oh god, here we go. Um, I have so much of that rattling around up here, sort of self-taught, autodidact. But then, when someone who comes in and says, "Let me just let me just take you over the finish line here," it just I have it. I have it in there, and it just comes out. Wow, you're really blossoming. Well, no. Under the tutelage of oh, secret. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't want other people trying to <laughs> block up his no, schedule. No, he's a he's a local. He, uh, Matt Fuller, wonderful. There we go. Yeah, MattFuller.com. Probably okay. Matt Fuller Music. I don't know. I think he's. I think most of his lessons are up. He does. He, but he's a he's a guest artist at DSA. We've discussed this. We have. Maybe not on these mics, but never on these mics. It's sometimes we got to give the people a peek behind. The Herbie curtain. Hancock. Oh yeah, that's what we get into. <laughs> Famous story. He's in the Miles Davis quartet, quintet. I don't know how many there are. Mm-hmm. Some number. Four or five. Like Miles is just delivering a beautiful solo, a powerful piece of work, improvising. Herbie's back there accompanying, comping. Hits, hits the a, wrong note. You know this story. Oh, yeah. This is a classic story. He clams it. He hits the wrong chord. He's like, oh, my God. Well, there's two stories. If, if oh, mem- a story within a story? If memory serves, there's also a moment where then Miles like just sh- sh- stops the thing and like shoots daggers at him. I don't Ooh, remember. But that that's not this, the same. That's not this story. Yeah. This story is a younger Herbie Hancock is like, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah. And I think you get a little glance from Miles, but then what does Miles do? In a moment of grace, he adjusts he, he his on the fly solo. adjusts his solo to bring that to make that chord the right chord. Josh knows this story. Oh, I'm so this encouraged. Is classic lore. <laughs> so many life lessons in there. On both sides, you know? Sometimes the wrong note's the right note. But sometimes you need to be open to that possibility for it to become the right note, Mark. That's right. Everything's always in flux. Our world is ruled by chaos. We have a desire to bring order to this chaos. But it doesn't usually work out that way, does it, Mark? It does not. That is true. Yes. You have tried mightily to reign in the chaos. Have you? I don't know if you've... And it rains freely upon you, around you. No matter what. In a nitro fashion, if you will. (laughs) Nitro rain. It rains and it rains you. Have you seen my uh, studio space recently with the empty picture frame? Have you seen that? That sounds about right. I know you have a Spartan (laughs) office. I have one. This is, I think this is, you're going to view this as progress for me. I have an empty picture frame hanging on the wall yeah and it is completely cockeyed just wow was was this an intentional exercise to try and push push your comfort levels i bring it up because so many of my what of my work life is zoom based yeah half of the time i'm in this workspace the other time i'm at home and eventually they're like so i've been looking at your empty picture frame for months now Is that an art piece? I'm like, well, essentially it is. It's a statement. It's a statement. Life doesn't happen in a straight line. Never has, never will. And it's never finished. See, to me, an empty picture frame seems brushy and in a way. 
because I your office is as uncluttered as your MacBook Dex desktop is, no doubt. Well, everything is so everything looks to be in its place in there. And then you look on the wall, and there's this one picture frame. I mean, it is completely. That's the small part of you inside that's crying out. There's a lion roaring, saying, inside. "Please, just embrace the chaos." That's the little bit of chaos. Yep, it's that little little part of you isn't peeking there, out into the Zoom meeting. Isn't there some Zen, something like the? Uh, there's a little piece. Zen in the art of motorcycle they maintenance. Or oh, oh, it's the the people the mandala effect. You mm. intentionally introduce one error into an otherwise symmetrical, beautiful mandala. Yes. The fly in the ointment, Josh. Ooh. Nitro rain. But not everyone even notices it. Nope. Only, it, that is interesting. The people that notice are the, you're like, ah, yeah. I think you're one of the people that notice. You're, the brush mind goes right to that. Uh, oh, I would notice. Of asynchronicity. course. I'm saying it's a good exercise with clients. Which ones of them notice? Oh, I see. Some of them are never like, huh? Okay, so the... A good you have a test. special place in your heart for the ones there that comment on the askew go. empty frame. Absolutely. Okay. We've learned a lot what about What a you, great Mark. start. This is the best episode ever before we've even gotten to news item I don't number know one. How it always happens, but it does. It always happens. Oh, Regular like clockwork. I have, multiple, I have several pages. Oh, no. Oh, that's unusual. You have a hard, fast rule to never have more than four tabs open in any browser Well, that's window. why this is really throwing me. I need to take a deep breath. It's brand. another exercise. Think about my painting. My painting Your empty frame. picture frame. Picture frame. This is just a version of that. I want you to have eight tabs open on that browser. Josh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 tabs are open. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Look no. at you sitting well in that discomfort. Look at the gam. <laughs> Gam Cam is in. Gam Cam uh, again. I'm I'm wishing that we had started our YouTube version of this podcast because Gam Cam today is brought to you by Mark's skinny jeans. Oh please, these are. He insists that they are standard I'm cut. Gonna... Uh, yeah, Levi's five hundred one, and maybe they are, but I. Levi's five hundred one. They are hugging the thigh. The thigh meat <laughs> is tight in the denim. I don't like any of those words. But they are stone- original fit, original fit, stonewashed, on trend, cut off. <laughs> is cut off on trend? Oh, cut off is huge oh, right now, Mark. Fuck, I didn't know that. Okay, come on, man. I didn't mean to ruin your jeans. I, that's the, no. my favorite part about those jeans is every time I call them skinny jeans, you run to the mirror to look. You you yell that they are not skinny jeans. Nope. But then you need to go check. Maybe they are a little skinny. They're original fit. All right, for a for a true American original, a kingmaker in the natural product I space. Have, I bought a second pair. I'm so I'm enjoying the button fly. It's just a little bit of a ritual to button them all up. They feel, uh, yeah, like sturdier. Yeah. More, there's more permanence to the button fly. Although you can pop them open really quickly. You bet you can. If you really got to pee, well, you got to get in there quick for whatever reason. Who knows with you, Mark? Are we moving through the dock, or do you want to keep talking about the <laughs> yeah, jeans? Oh, yeah, I think sure. The, I, was... I think the gene thing crescendoed nicely. Yeah, you're right. Josh. Mark. Episode 182, Nitro Rain. N9K. Okay. Future Eventually, your podcast from the hashtag future. Mm-hmm. I'm stealing your thunder, doing all of the... Oh, you are 
echoing. Radio like it. man work. Or woman. A true broadcast pro. Pro. <clears throat> to the credit card check. It's been several months. It's time to check in and see. Oh, yeah. That's been taken care of. <laughs> I don't believe it. Should I? I don't have time to verify. There's too many tabs open. I can't verify. Ooh, yes. Yeah, it's been done. Don't worry I'll about save it. it for next episode, and I will check. Hey, no sweat. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to have to leave that on there. It's now I got to remember when the damn charge Ooh. comes through. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> the, it's the empty frame of skew all over again. Well, there we go. There you have it. Long-time listeners will know and appreciate that we have been trying for several episodes to get Josh to change the credit card on the SoundCloud account, and he will not do it because he enjoys being an empty picture frame in my otherwise harmonious life. Which part of you clearly enjoys, as evidenced by your erect gam. <laughs> right? As you were saying that, it rose right up. God damn it. To the archives, Josh. To right. the archives. That's where oh, you wait, come you know into what? play. You have to play a song. Oh, no, I do it. You do what? Do I do it and just hold the mic up? Well, I had a different idea, Mark. All right, well, why don't you do it? I have 18 tabs open. I keep my tab load. My tab load. Like my tableau, my tableau. Yeah, I got it. Apostrophe D. Fairly light, but I had, I had an idea for how we might delve into the archives. We've tried 12-sided die. We've tried my intuition. Perhaps today... I remember that cue. We try the tarot. Okay. I have the Golden Art Nouveau tarot deck here. You don't have the rock and pop stars of the 80s deck? I cannot find that deck. Oh. Mix this deck up. Defay. I don't want you to touch this deck <laughs> because it's my wife's deck. Out of respect. Not because not, you're, not, your energy's polluted. Oh, see, so you looked at it with your hawk ray. Uh, it's so interesting. I, in the dim light with the distortion of these glasses, I saw a butt and a woman's crotch. All right. Rorschach. All right, Mark. Let's see if this card it's will such guide a, us. It's such a, it's such a beautiful word, crotch. Yeah, crotch, crisp, a crisp crotch. Okay, Mark. Crisp is okay. Crotch is kind of there. It is same card. Yep. Behold, the eight of cups. What do you want me to do? The eight of cups. Want me to respond? Well, to me, see, I see an eight, and then I see a circular moon mm -hmm. that points to episode eighty. No, you cannot do episode 80, because that is the one episode that we did last time. We did episode 80 at the 30-minute mark. Oh, my God. We did episode 80 last time? Yes. Oh, well, we got a, episode 8? Ooh, that is... Ooh. Let's take a look. I'll, what is episode 8? Let me open up my 19th tab. <laughs> the audio quality is bound to be... You never know. What if, it's, what if, it's, what if it's better? It might be. All right, I got to go... Dim I'm gonna so hit. the 8 of cups... Interesting, because in the foreground, we see eight cups stacked precariously. Mm. There is a man, mm. or a figure. We, I guess I can't say that. It's, it's a figure. Figure. <laughs> figure. Figure Shut. in a red cloak. Is it a chaperone? Walking away. <laughs> well, this person clearly chaperoned the cups into place, and now this figure is walking away from those cups. This figure carries a staff. 
a stave, a wand, which is interesting, right? Because there's a whole other arcana, the wands, right? Yes. So there's a combination of wands and cups. What is episode eight looking like, Mark? I'm almost there. 11, 10, 9, 8. <laughs> well, I don't think that... You Probably don't. not a good choice, but episode 008, Spencer Monsanto kills Hamilton. You're saying that's not a good choice? That's oh, a great episode. That's right. a guest episode. So let's go. All right. In honor of the wand, let's just go 10 minutes in. Okay. Hold your horses. I'm going to be a real pro at this. And thank you to the Art Nouveau Tarot. 10 minutes in. I am ready to hit play. I am ready for you to hit play. <laughs> you don't have some... Okay. Well, aren't you just going to... Well, I thought the, you had a different audio thing. You had... what? Your what? new invention was the tarot deck. Got it. Yeah, now. And you put the microphone right now down next to the speakers on your... Yeah, I will. Ancient... He murdered somebody. His girlfriend's friend. Yeah. That's a bad story. Yeah, he picked a real nice skateboard, Mark. <laughs> Oh, you, you must have had a gator. You had a gator Rogowski board. I did have a gator. I know. I See how quick I am to pick up on what we were talking about? I think it was pink. If you find it, I'll hang it on the wall. Yeah. Well, we used to do this thing where we would... I'm basically wondering if this guy was even on the interview at this point. It's just me I think he is. I think you're telling him about your first skateboard. My neighbor had a driveway. I'm sure he likes to hear that from people. Skaters love to uh, talk about right. their first deck. Just that is checking. that is not very steep. What was mine? A vision gator? I know. I rem- yes, it was a vision gator, right? Yeah, and gator and is the skater who ended up murdering his oh, that's terrible girlfriend's friend. And yeah, there's there's been a documentary about it. Bad person in jail. You remember the design of that not deck? Getting out. Not really. It was basically a geometric pattern. A mandala. It was a black background and hot pink. With these, like, sort of kind of aggressive, what would you call that shape? A spiral? Spiral, but in a, but, well, let me show you. It's, it's worth a look. Hey, why not? Nothing. It's like, you just vision gator. Deck. Should I type pink? Maybe that'll help. <laughs> Remember it had hot pink wheels? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You found it right away, huh? I don't remember that big gator. This is not the deck I've. Well, that oh, there's a few versions here. Yeah, this is the one. Mine's the old school. All right, let me show you. I know you want to see it. Dying to. Far right there. Oh yeah, it's sort of like the vertigo. Vertigo pattern. Well said. Mandala esque. Interesting. I had had some hot pink wheels. And were you kneeboarding on that thing, or are you standing (laughs) up? I. Mostly standing up. There it is. What do you call that where you go tick-tock, tick-tock? Tick-tacking. Tick-tack. I bet you were a really good tick-tacker. Well. I bet you could tick-tack your way uh, like from a you know, dead stop oh. to a hearty roll in a matter of you, eight or nine tick-tacks. You know me pretty well. I do. I lived in a... The neighborhood mm-hmm. was, a, was low traffic. That's always nice it for is. a young tick-tacker. And there was probably a good mile. I could do a little mile. I mean, I don't know. You would tic-tac for a mile? It was a long loop I could do around the neighborhood. Just tic-tacking the whole time? And it was flat, kind of everywhere, 
I don't think there was any real debt. Well, there must have been one little downhill because there was one good, excuse me, uphill. But I would tick, I would just spend an hour, hours after school just tic-tacking around that area. I bet you the neighbors loved it. You know what I think you should do, Mark? What? I've got a recipe for financial freedom, really. <laughs> you start up a TikTok account mm. for your tic-tacking. You bring back your tic-tac. You just film yourself tic-tacking around Park Hill. And your handle is Tic Tac Daddy. <laughs> Can I get a Vision Gator skateboard? Oh yeah, that's like... a key. Well, I I don't know if that's a good look. That's uh, not a bad don't, look don't now. Don't buy the convicted <laughs> murderer's skateboard. Don't mm. pay premium prices for a murderer's skateboard, Mark. Yeah, but it ha- what it has sentimental value. If you're well, I know, but maybe we could find another spirit animal for you in the skate world. Okay, well, if you could direct me There was to the this amazing equivalent. skateboarder in the 90s oh, named pled, Ron Whaley. He pled guilty to assaulting, raping, and murdering... That's oh. what I was just telling you. Not a good person. Oh, Fuck that guy. <laughs> Look for a Ron Whaley board. Ron Whaley was, like you, a very tall and willowy skater. Ron Whaley. W-H-A-L-E-Y. Probably a think deck is what you'd find, maybe. And then the first thing that comes up is Ron Whaley height. I'm not going to do that. See, I told you. Everyone's curious. They got to know. How tall is this guy? Oh, look at this guy. This looks like a little gangly guy. Whalebones World on Instagram. Huh. He's still in the game, huh? Well, there's not a... Yeah. Not a ton of followers. I mean, 9,000 followers? Let's see if we're posting recently. Two days ago. All right. Hey, this this guy's ripping it up. He was a great skater. Had awesome style. Just one of those, one of those '90s skaters, you know. There he is. So, what do you want me to? So, I'm looking at what board he's got. Oh, here's one. It has some sort of skull on it. Oh, you like skulls. <laughs> and then your next move is just to see if the handle Tic Tac Daddy is available on TikTok. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to even check that. All right. Is it an at symbol? <laughs> I don't even. I, we'll do it later. All right, back to the show. Oh, are you going back to the archives still? You press pause the whole bunch. And it also curved like an S, but it wasn't long, maybe like 100 yards total. We what if you just end up telling the same Tic Tac story? <laughs> now I'm telling my kneeboarding story. Oh. Where we would, me and well, two of the neighbors. Why you yourself tell it? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do. Let's see. I think I get a long driveway 100 yards. Uh, I think it was 50 yards. Oh my yeah, that is Yeah, there's Spencer. Can I come down? You want to do it? It would take well, like. You know uh, how big a yard is, right? It's three feet. Yeah, okay. feet versus yards. I like a hundred yards. Meters. Just, just, <laughs> I'm going with me. <laughs> hey, you're you're making him laugh. We would get on our uh, knees, like on all fours on the board, and just tear down and try to knock each other off so you get there the, so you could win. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Is that a common practice? <laughs> he was, he seems like oh yeah. He's like yeah. Wait, bowling. I don't know. I mean, it's you know, it's just roughhousing. You're, it was roughhousing with the boys. It was always, well. It's a common thing. Everybody does that. Kneeboarding, yeah. Kneeboarding. There you go. You want a validation? Is that a common thing? (laughs) And then you hear him. He's like, you got to start somewhere. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Why? This is too much me. What is this? This is an uncomfortable amount of me. Who would expect all of this me on an episode of skateboarding? Well, I think in Spencer's presence, he were like, I want to prove myself to this guy. I want him to know. Yeah, a little eager. I got the skin knees. thirsty. I was bottle flipping with skin knees from knee boarding, bowling. You go back and forth. Tick-tacking. Tick-tacking. 
Of course. Oh, no. You're telling your Tic Tacing story? Let's hear it again. Neighborhood, except for those driveways. Take like 45 minutes to do the whole neighborhood. You keep interrupting him, too. He's like trying to talk. You're like, no, 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 listen. Tic Tac on your old gator board. I'll try to find it. Well, I'll just stay in the driveway and don't go to the skate park. Oh! Well. Maybe he's saying don't bring a gator board to the skate park. Or you don't tic-tac at a skate park either. Well, you could. That's annoying, isn't it? If you're tic-tacking around and if you're getting in people's <laughs> way. Uh, if you're tic-tacking at a high velocity. All right. But I mean. Wow, that was epic. Uh, do you want to keep going? I feel like we're going to get into the tic-tac story now. <laughs> you could skip ahead eight minutes. Let's, I'm going to skip it. <laughs> okay, that would be 1925. I'm still talking. Yeah, most of that corn probably ends up in high fructose corn syrup. Oh, fructose. we've moved on to food. I'm saying fructose. Oh, man. <laughs> it just poisons people. Starting well, with the yeah, young kids. Animal feed, animal feed, and which they should never fucking eat. And, and high fructose corn syrup, you're actually fucking subsidizing the epidemic of obesity. I like how he's trying to like actually say something. <laughs> At least maybe just me. And you're just still in tic-tac But wait a minute, land? what about this tic-tac? <laughs> It took me 45 minutes. Is that a long time? Was I tic-tacking fast enough? <laughs> All right. That was well, that was good. That was, that that was a great episode. What I remember about it is that he was like on a, like on his rooftop patio or something. Yeah. And so there was just tons of street noise. And I think I spent like... He was still back pain. He, he was, was. He was dealing with it. But I think I spent like 10 hours grooming or, you know, cleaning up the... Oh, the audio? The sound, the audio. Like oh. ducking out when he wasn't talking, so we could. Huh. A lot of TLC went into that episode. Episode eight. What a nice guy. I wonder why he did that. Just. Oh, because you had the creds, probably. I don't know. We. I think I just emailed him, and he was like, "Okay." Because I think because he. Food. I, we're I, talking about food. Food, and I probably said my co-host is the kingmaker in the natural product space. Oh. But then we brought spending. Afterward, he placed, not him, uh, this is I don't, a surf bag. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. it. But after that, we got him back for the mark for the get bit. We did. So, I mean. And I remember that being a joyful little That was a interview. highlight. Mark Bittman couldn't get enough of Spencer Hamilton. Yeah, I wonder if he's ever reconnected. I don't know. I bet he hadn't. He may, I remember he was like. He did, he made some move when we were first talking where he was trying to make them seem like they were chummy. He's like, when we were talking before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I remember looking and you kind of rolled your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. On to the show. Oh, geez. We haven't started the show yet? To the gusseted crotch. This? Via Josh Tyson and his ever watchful eye on the couture of Hoot. Oh, my goodness. Gramici goes extra loosey goosey for FW Fall Winter 2023. There it is. I got some great photos here, which are perfect for a podcast. Yeah, I think that Ooh, comes to us nice, from High nice Snobiety. Pant. I like that pant. I like what they're showing there too. It seems like High Snobiety. I don't like on that, that pant. post. You could. I like, don't like that fleece. You could uh, like buy the stuff through their website, but it. When I tried to look at them, it wasn't available. Look at that pant with that little uh, carpenter pocket or whatever that is. Yeah. That's a nice pant. I'm on the verge. And Mark. that should not be outrageously expensive. Those pants are $130, I think. Univer like all their pants are basically $130. Okay. Which I don't 
That's not they, they didn't used to be that. Well, the cost of making before they become things, a fashion item. I think that's more that they're just well-made pants. Okay. I mean, what are the what are the things? What's that? What's the outlier? That's what you used to. I still like their pants. Well-made pants. Yeah. I have my first pair of outlier pants. Still looks practically new. And, and they, I wore and them. They were four hundred dollars. No, they were like. One eighty or something. All right. Maybe that seems like a lot for pants, but if you keep the pants for ten years and still wear them, is it a lot for pants? Well, for the record, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, you wanted. Who was the first? Mark, you were the OG Gramici head. So early on this one. Well, you know what occurred to me. Um, I'm sure people are thrilled to tune in a month later and hear us talking about Gramici's again. But uh, one thing that we didn't even touch on. I found uh, three pairs up in the mountains. They're paint splattered, many of, of them. Of course they are, Mark. You've had them forever. And they're, the shorts are just as good. I'm sure they they've are. Got a, they've got an elasticized waistband. I know. You were trying to tell me to order the shorts. I don't know if they have the gusseted crotch or not. I think they probably do. I don't know if they do. You should go to their website now. They have a really nice sleeveless, like high-neck fleece vest. Looks, looks just ready to be slipped on by a brush. Sleeveless... High neck fleece vest. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, this has got like if you zip it all the way up, it covers your neck, you know, like a classic. V. But the, oh, it has a zip. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. That's just a standard fleece collar. <laughs> standard collar just looks a little you more exaggerated. Fleece. I wonder. Anyway, I, wait, 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 wait. Hashtag fleece fleece life. If you recall, was a great Instagram post. I can't remember why. I think it was because I we were having dinner at your house and you borrowed my fleece. I was chilly. You loaned yeah, me a fleece. And it was a, quite a moment to see you. Well, again. I felt like I was swimming in the thing. It was like a triple extra large. It, <laughs> it was big. It was a huge fleece. Yeah. Uh, if you still have it, though, actually, I'm wearing bigger sizes, so I'd be happy to take it <laughs> off your hands. Yeah. You're but all about that. what we forgot to bring up last time yep. that people are just itching to find out about now, or at least to remember if they're longtime listeners, is that, Mark, mm. do you remember the URL for the original New Age Dad website? <laughs> How could I forget? How could you forget? Well, I can't remember. It was. Uh, it was also our at handle for our Gmail account. What I think. Our at. Can you remember? Elasticized waistbands. A dot com or at gmail dot com. I think it was waistbands. Well, because we there were two waists. Right. We had an actual website at elasticizedwaistbands.com? I believe we did. I have no memory of what was on there. Was it just a blog? It was probably like a word. I feel like we had that. I th- we must have. Well, I don't Or maybe know. we talked a lot maybe about Maybe we had it. waistbands at gmail.com and that was good enough. I guess that's starting to feel more likely. <laughs> I was I was convinced that we had a website. We had natch.is. Sound, did we ever have, we never had newagedad.com. Yeah, we? maybe we never did have a website. Maybe we just dreamed of it. Maybe I was thinking of our email I think address. we had, I think we used it, we had like a well, Tumblr. It just, just proves that our dedication, birthed by you, to elasticized waistbands. I think your elasticized waistband on your Grimici pants is what led us to the name New Age Dad. Because I think Defe was talking about how she knew someone one of her friend's dads also had pants like yours, and he was kind of a new age dad. And we were like, say that again? Ooh. So, again, DFA. That sounds like us. Possibly listening. 
She listens to a lot of podcasts, and she this does? one oh, okay. this one often ends up at the bottom of her queue, but she'll get Aww. to it eventually, and she'll God. be super excited to hear us reminisce. What the hell? Defay gave us the name New Age Dad. She also invented the form of podcasting. She she invented podcasting. Let it be known. Still waiting on that first episode no. of Kitten Soup Radio, though. <laughs> that was promised a long time ago, and it still has not been delivered. I don't know about Kitten Soup Radio. No one does, because they didn't make it. Who's they? It was Defay and Megan. Oh. They were going to make a podcast about kittens and soup. Two things you could talk about for a really long time. Kittens are always getting into such funny little business and soup. How many different types of soup are there? It's <laughs> a great show. I'm sorry it hadn't happened yet. Lego my ego brunch in a jar just for adults. Food news you can use. Whoa, what? Booze-infused liquor. Liqueur. <laughs> Booze-infused liquor? Booze-infused liqueur blends ego waffle flavors with maple syrup, butter, bacon. What did you just read? <laughs> Josh, Lego my ego has a whole new meaning. Kellogg's Ego has teamed up with Sugarlands Distilling Company to offer a booze-infused spin on brunch. It's called Ego Brunch in a Jar. What? Is it like boozed-up syrup? It's a rich and delicious creamy liqueur, seamlessly blending the flavors of toasted Ego waffles, sweet maple syrup, and rich butter with a hint of smoky bacon. An adults-only beverage pairs perfectly. I take issue with the use of the word seamless there. <laughs> you're blending flavors. It's not like you're creating a seam. You're not sewing an edge. Hmm, interesting. You know? I don't know. Between the juggle of constantly changing schedules, household errands, family outings, or busy work days, it can often feel impossible for parents to find moments they can savor for themselves. So get drunk <laughs> early. With some boozy syrup? It's 20% alcohol per volume. Jeez. So it's like a liqueur syrup. Yeah. It's pour also, it on your, Lego, on your egos. Well, I was, I was worried there because I thought they were going to make the argument, people are so busy these days, you don't have time to put two egos in a toaster. No. Now they're just in a jar soaked in booze liqueur. Yeah. Let's just drink it and boozy up. All right. Well, there it is. That's the future I'll tell of food, you clearly. That, well, that of course that that's... That's off-trend on so many fronts, but you know what? i try it if you put it in front of me. One time only. One time and one, one time, time only. One time only. Well, maybe we can collab on a special brunch episode. <laughs> Get some of that? They'll ship us some. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? That makes me think we've been talking about our days back at Dining Out Magazine. Oh, days full of... But do you remember we would do a lot of tastings? Sipping creams. Often we would get, like applied with all sorts of booze samples and we would have these right. tastings but one time we got uh, uh the american cheese company or something something very with a very bland name they sent us a bunch of their cheeses that we sampled but there this company i think was mostly known for making the cheese that is served in prisons and schools and the cheese that they sent us was just not great oh god really so it was like kind of a grueling tasting <laughs> why would session. they why were they out there sending out samples to people i think we request i think jeff steen requested them he was just like you know we would go on those sprees like what what can we get sent to us uh, what a what a motley group we were indeed anyway mark 
Uh, well, Josh, we're going to take a hard right turn here. Hard right, huh? Or left. Okay. Depending on which way you're flopping in the wind. To the worms. Oh, my. This is the title of this article. Okay. Oh, my God. OMG. Colon. Ooh. Live worm found in Australian woman's brain in world first discovery. Oh, yeah. That was all over the news feeds, wasn't it? Parasitic brain worm. It was a fairly regular day on the ward for Canberra Hospital Infectious Diseases physician Dr. Sanjaya Senanayaki. Well done. Until a neurosurgeon colleague called him and said, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe what I just found in this lady's brain, and it's alive and wriggling. Eight-centimeter-long parasitic roundworm. I mean, that's super gross. Was it eating her brain tissue? I think it... uh, uh, I don't know. Let's figure this out. Did they extract it? Admitted to her local hospital in late January 2021 after suffering, suffering three weeks of abdominal pain and diarrhea, followed by a constant dry cough, fever, and night sweats. You can just figure out what happened there, can't you? It traveled. It traveled? I think it traveled. Sometimes they travel. This is a horrible story because the next paragraph starts by 2022. So remember, we were in late January 2021. By 2022, her symptoms symptoms also included forgetfulness and depression. Wait, so this went on for a year? Uh-huh. Ooh. So it moved like from her gastrointestinal system and like crawled all the way up into her brain? An MRI scan How of her brain do that? revealed abnormalities requiring surgery. Oh, God, this is just horrific. Uh, neurosurgeons regularly deal with infections in the brain, but this was a once-in-a-career finding. No one was expecting to find that. Uh, there's a picture of it. Oh, they pulled it out. Yeah, they, they pulled it out. Jeez. What uh, a we, relief. Canberra is a small place, so we sent the worm, which was still alive, straight to the laboratory of a something scientist who is very experienced with parasites. He looked at it and said, oh, my God, this is Ophidascaris robertsi. Robertsi. A roundworm usually found in pythons. So you know what we have to figure out now is how the hell did this worm get in this woman? Maybe she was in a... The patient resides near a lake. Python-infested lake. A lake area inhabited by carpet pythons. Despite no direct snake contact, she often collected native grasses, including warigal greens, from around the lake to use in cooking. Oh, I don't there like it is. this. Well, I like the idea of foraging for things to cook with, but... Oh. I guess you gotta cook it or wash it. So the hypothesis here is uh, uh, the patient was probably infected with the parasite from touching the native grass, transferring the eggs to food or kitchen utensils, eating the greens. Oh. She needed to be treated for other larvae that might have invaded other parts of her body, such as the liver. Oh, this poor woman! What's the, so? How's she doing here? She was courageous and wonderful. You don't want to be the first patient in the world with a round, round worm found in pythons in your brain. Okay. She's recovering well, still being monitored. They're wondering if a pre-existing medical condition might have caused her to be immunocompromised to let the larvae take hold. Uh-huh. I'm more interested in how does it cross the blood-brain barrier here. Well, I guess... Can it, like, chew through tissue? Just I kinda get, like- oh, 
God. made its way up there. Why would it go to the brain, I wonder? Hmm. I guess, a, here it is. A brain kind of looks like a balled up snake. It must have thought it was a snake, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just like, oh, there's a lot of good I think I should fatty be a brain tissue scientist. up there. A lot of folds I can hide out in. Ah, yes. Oh, God. Warmed by the neural activity. The- what is this story? In fact, it's, so it's an interesting way to end the article here. Um, it does not transmit between, between people, so this patient's case won't cause a pandemic like COVID-19 or Ebola. Uh, good to know. Some, some cases of zoonotic diseases may never be diagnosed if they are rare and physicians don't know what to look for. And your closing quote, sometimes people die with the cause never being found, he said. A little, little bit of a lift at the end uh, of the story. I don't know why that was so alarming to me, but it made the doc. There you go. I still don't know how, you, you know, how does it, I mean, roundworms are pretty common. Can't you get a roundworm? Oh, I'm thinking a ringworm. Ringworm is the little just infection, skin rash. Is that the one that you see them, they pull it out from under your skin, they'll like twirl it around a twig? Have you seen that? Oh, God, no, I haven't. Or they like, they get a little bit of the worm out and then they kind of like tie it to a stick and then just start turning the stick and it just... I think ringworm is basically like a rash that kids get, maybe not as much here. Some, yeah, you just like put ointment on it. Okay, let's end this (laughs) rash worm-centric portion of our oh, show here, Mark. Get another call for the gusseted crotch. Let the nitro rain wash it away. Dealing with some worm-based rashes. If, well, if you've got ringworm, you're going to want comfortable pants. I, here I have a whole a mega section called To the True Futurist. You don't want to be scratching an itch through skinny jeans. I have a four-part series Ugh. from Mr. Mike Lee. Oh, Mike Lee. On the connection between AI and food. Part one, on food and generative AI. Part two, battling food AI bias and misinformation. Part three, generative AI food labor and existential risk. A bonus on slow food for AI. I have two additional stories. One from The Observer. Oh, is this you? Oh, maybe that's the one I was talking about earlier. Did you? Oh, you wrote this one. I didn't know that. <laughs> I just put it in the doc. You just like any link I send you, you just yeah. don't even open it. You just well, copy I already had a section. A I had a section going. Oh my god, I'll just stick it in there. Artificial intelligence, imitation of art, or creative super tool. The rise of generative AI demands urgent reflections on what it means not only to make art but also to make money making art. By Josh Tyson, thought leader, and then across the pond. A final story to round out this mega section would be Google Labs rolls out its first, its AI first notebook. Here's what it can do and how you can try it. So much to cover there, Josh. I just got lightheaded, Mark. I would say let's just. Why don't you give us a nice? Since you have had the I can great give you joy, a Mike of, Lee update. Yeah, go ahead. So, not not so long ago, Rob Wilson, co-author along with myself of the. First best-selling book on conversational AI. What's it called again, Mark? It's called... Age of Invisible Machines. Yes. Uh, We were talking about this idea that uh, came from another... Anyway, maybe it'd be useful as we have more and more generative AI, and in particular all these LLMs kind of like giving us ideas and words and sentences and papers. Chat GPT is a LLM. It might be useful to know what kind of training data 
is in a model if you're interacting with it. Oh, how I much Wikipedia? How much Reddit? How much mm. proprietary company data? Who mm. built this thing? Mm. Who trained it? How was it trained? Mm. Was it trained using uh, like labor that was paid for properly? You know, transparency the, the, into the work behind the machine. So me, having spent so much time in close proximity to a kingmaker in the natural product space, my oh. mind goes to a nutrition label. Oh, oh that's me. I'm like, kind of like a nutrition label. And Rob is like, yeah, there it is. And then I say, well, you know what? Maybe we should talk to someone on the podcast about nutrition labels. I suggest longtime friend and colleague Mark Peacock Brush. Say bois. Once they hear that he's a kingmaker in the natural product space, the team, the team is all in. They are all in. But then, here's the thing. Mark is such a consummate professional. When I come to him with this idea, he says, you know, I probably could talk about that, but I think I know someone who might be better to talk to. Even better. Consummate professional. Puts me in touch with Mike Lee. Founder of the Future Market, and that's uh, Alpha Food Alpha Lab? Foods Food Labs. Uh, food Labs, yeah, I think so. So he does a lot of consulting yeah. around innovation and foods and yes, food futures, does. things oh, like that. He does just a brilliant dude, really. Mm. Uh, and his Substack, also card called the Future Market, mm-hmm. has all these amazing articles, lots and lots of great articles about the food industry. Oh, did I send you the Substack for the? Yeah, that other guy has a Substack too. Oh, okay. Everyone's got a Substack these days. I think I mistakenly was calling it a blog, which it seems like that's what it is. But, it is, but we call it a Substack. Yes, we do. Anyway, magnificent Substack. Uh, not only is there <laughs> that's the name of my new band, cutting edge food journalism. There is also he's done a lot of delving into generative AI and AI systems. Yes, he he's has. built his own uh, models. He's he's done a lot of work. He's like hands-on. He's yeah. no joke. And so, anyway, we had to get him in in the Riverside studio for an episode of Invisible Machines. Is that what you call it? The Riverside studio? Well, it's in River. It's That's the software we use. I don't know why I'm plucking Riverside. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why either. It just rolled off the tongue. I don't know. So, he joined us for an episode of Invisible Machines. I can't wait to hear the that. The top podcast in the world about conversational AI. Uh-oh. Somebody, somebody wants to challenge that assertion. No. We will not be taking that challenge today. Um, so anyway, he joined us for what turned out to be our longest episode to date. Ooh. It's like a nearly two-hour conversation. Wow. Rogan style. <laughs> Hopefully not, but it's all about food and technology and the convergences and overlapping and how there's there's a lot. Oh, nice. There's a lot that technologists can learn. Oh, wonderful. From food. And so rather than blather on about it here in a semi-articulate fashion, I will direct you to episode... Bastard. What is it? Season two, episode... Mike Lee is on the podcast. Check it out. Thank you, Mark, for making it happen. Wonderful. Invisible Machines, wherever you get your podcasts. Or watch the episode on the the Invisible Machines YouTube channel. Substack Riverside. <laughs> Paizo. We love Paizo. <laughs> uh, the last point, I want to just bring that one home for you. because, Of, of course, he was going to be a better voice. Happy to connect. Mm. So wonderful that you guys have uh, now have this in common. 
I hope it's a long and fruitful relationship. He might be a return guest. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Because the guy has already designed. Oh, that was the part a I label. left out. I, it's in the intro to the Invisible Machines episode. I give him full credit because Rob and I had this idea, and then Mark connects me to Mike I'm Lee's like, Substack. I open this article, and I'm like, "Whoa!" He had the same idea months before we had it, and he and he, he mocked it mocked up. Mocked it up. He rocked that mock too. I mean, it is That's a nice mock. Nice mock. And if you noticed all his articles, like the the generative images, that that's that's his work. Well, that's him feeding the machine to create the image. Well, we talk about that. Like, is it's not? Oh, it's you're not art. That his work. Well, I mean, it's is it? It's interesting. It's art, but not in the traditional sense, right? Right. Right. Like he's because he, a lot of time goes into getting those images generated. He puts a lot of thought and effort into it. Oh, okay. A lot of it is like I didn't know that combing through metadata. Realizing like what he likes stylistically in other generated art, coming through the metadata, incorporating it into his own generative projects. Gotcha. Didn't know that. He is at the forefront. He's doing what the brightest among us should be doing if they're concerned about losing work to AI, I suppose. is like you you don't run from it. You jump in. Well, this is, I mean, worlds You learn to work with it. I mean, tit for tat- Tick for tack. Tick for tack. It wasn't, It what was it, a week later where I'm, wait, I'm going to do some investigative reporting into Ooh. this very topic. Well, let me ask. Oh, you knew a thought leader. hashtag thought leader. Yes, not quite a kingmaker, but a thought leader. And of course, there are some wonderful quotations that I, open that article. I, I can't open that article. Well, no, talking I'm about telling your, you they do. Oh, oh, like not, not open the article because I've been provided no link. I've well, just I've, been teased that this amazing this is, NBJ research piece opens with a quote by... Oh, it's an article. It, oh, is that more or less well, than a research? Yeah, good. What's a know. research piece? I'm just is trying that to make, it, make people want to read it. Oh, it's an article. <laughs> is it available uh, online or do you have well, to have Josh, some sort of subscription to True. This is a true Kingmaker publication. It, it usually starts subscription only, shared PDF, shared around the internet. Because it is a dart straight to the C-suite, correct? <laughs> correct. Okay. With with uh, ungated li- link to follow down the line. Okay, so we can look forward to an ungated link Absolutely. from another banger of a research piece you By our also, incisive kingmaker. You should. You're a LinkedIn guy. I'm not really very active on that platform. It's, it's the only social media that I engage. Well, with. my point is that often that it will surface there too. Oh, okay. So then you can then go. Sh- oh, I was happy to contribute to this. Oh, that day is coming. <laughs> and I well, that I was thinking about you yesterday as I was preparing uh-huh. preparing a, a post about the Mike Lee episode. I'm like, should I hat tip Mark Brush on LinkedIn? Should I at mention him? Oh, sure. Or is he just going to make me look like a fool because he only checks LinkedIn once a year? Well, I'm not. What do you want me to do with it? Reply like, you're welcome. No, you do the little applause hands, the celebrate hands. Okay, I'll try to do that. Well, don't don't hurt yourself. Should I do it right now? Trying too hard. I haven't posted the thing yet because that's the thing. I'm supposed to be more active on LinkedIn. I just, all I ever end up posting about is our podcast episodes. Like the Invisible Machines podcast. I don't think anyone on LinkedIn wants to hear this podcast. I don't know what the N9K thing. This one? Yeah. Well, you don't want to cross your streams. That could be dangerous. So, But I just feel like that's all I ever post about. I'm not 
I feel like I need, if I really truly want to be a LinkedIn, uh, full-blooded LinkedIn user or whatever, like you got to post some other stuff too. Like you can't just be like, Oh, here, yeah, here's a podcast. Here's this article. You got to, you got to throw some fresh thinking up there from time to time, time to time. You don't have to overdo it, but you're right. A sprinkling of that will get it out of your own head and promotional mode. All right, good. I, I I was able to get onto LinkedIn, so I'll take an eye. All right, yeah, you can I'll still log in. I'll take an eye. What am I? What language am I speaking right now? I don't know. You're making up new slang. I like it. <laughs> Artificial intelligence imitation of art or creative super tool? Should I read this article on the Observer? Uh, you can read some of it. I don't know that I would read the whole thing. Why don't you? But I'd it? like to hear you you reading my voice, whether we realize it or not. A great many writers have been using AI daily for decades. Spelt. Now, did you realize that? As you read that sentence, were you like, wait, I have? Um, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> You've written research papers on this Don't subject. Hang me. Spellcheck, after all, was born in 1971 at Stanford University's Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. It became a common tool in Word sometime in the early aughts. Oh. Gotta love you. Oh. It's aughts. Any chance you get to use aughts. Oh, and here's where the article really gets its hook in you because he brings it home. And I remember. Who me. First, me, first me. person. Let's I hear my voice. Having a sense then that using it was somehow cheating. I wasn't alone in feeling this way. That's a hyperlink somewhere. There, there was discussion about, is, will it make us bad spellers? Got it. In the wake of powerful new expressions of AI, like OpenAI's ChatGPT, like when you get real, you get, the, you know how to. Yep. When it comes to our notion of work, the new maxim on the streets bears sober consideration. <laughs> I wasn't aware that there were maxims on the streets. <laughs> there are. <laughs> if you were on LinkedIn, you'd be seeing this one everywhere. <laughs> AI isn't coming for your job. Someone using AI is coming for your job. Someone like Mike Lee. Uh, not that he's trying to steal jobs. I don't want to. That is exactly. Uh, I'm, you're going to enjoy this article. Let me. I'll make a note to share the word doc with you. Ooh, I get it. I get it's it. a bleak future for the writers among us. I'll tell you where I yeah. land after having having done. Well, this it's research. Ne- it's always been a pain in the ass to make money writing. I don't feel like that's well, ever. Well, Josh, been how dare you steal that idea? Because that's the next wonderful person I hope to connect you with, who is in that agency world. Aha. Uh-huh. And I got to a point in my discussion with him where we're talking in some depth about the writing profession because, you know, there's copywriters. I'm sorry. Did you just call it the writing profesh? (laughs) Not intentionally. (sighs) I just forgot to finish the word. Started to throw up a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yes. You're right. The the profesh of writing is about to be disrupted. And the point I made was it's yet again, isn't it? He's like, you know what? Yeah. When you what used to be a copyright copywriting job, I need to come up with a thirty second TV spot, killer copy for that execution, that deliverable. Ten years later, that person's being told to, or if you're a journalist, you're getting a buck a word to do multi source, in depth, real work. Ten years later, no, 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 your job now. Multi-channel, multi-outlet. It's gonna cap whatever you write is gonna have to work on or be tweaked for all these social platforms. You're gonna get paid dramatically less mm. and have to produce much more. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming for you again. The writing profession is always being disrupted. Well, Mark, think back to when but we were. But what oh. he said. <laughs> 
when I got to this with him, I was like, so it seems like he's like, who is going to prompt engineer these large language models, chatbots, all these things? People who know how to use language. Yes. Writers. So the same person, this was what I asked him directly, like, if I was the guy you hired 20 years ago to do the TV spot, and then the guy you hired 10 years later to do a social equivalent, am I the guy you're going to hire to be the prompt engineer? Like, uh, yeah. Yep. And then I immediately went to but didn't say it. So I need to charge you a ton of money for that last phase because that's the end of the line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, well, I was going to say, do you, I, I was thinking back one, once again to our dining out days. You know, we were able to wrestle away some budget mm. for some haughty last bites from like Joe Wenderoth and Dave Carney. Did Joe Wenderoth do a last bite? He wrote one about soft shell crabs or like, or not soft shell, like it was like all about eating crabs at like a, uh, what's oh. it called? Like a crab bake or whatever? All right. Buckle up for some ideation here, Mark. Because wow. I want to, do you have that? I want to read that. I'm sure I've got it. I have, you know me. I'm not like you. It's not online. I save. Right? I save stuff. Yes, you do. I have old copies of Dining Out magazine, but you got to find which hard drive it's on. So my point was, though, we we had to work hard to wrestle away budget for stuff like that. But and then when it came to like, hey, can what we, do we pay for that? Like five hundred bucks? Yeah, yeah. But then when it came to like doing the chef's roundtable or whatever, yeah, we wanted to hire a writer to do it. The response was, well, we can just get a blogger to do it for free. So we can remember that disruption, right? Mm. When when blogs broke, the blogosphere broke, and suddenly anyone could pretty much self-publish and get traction right away if they were savvy and uh, somewhat strategic about it. And then that that was a major disruption. Of course, it was. It had already been really difficult to get writing gigs that paid, and now, like a lot of those gigs were just going to bloggers because they would do it for free because they were just trying to build. Audience. Audience. Because their their payout was a different form, I think. Yep. If you could really make it. So anyway, we were there for that disruption. Yep. And, and now, I mean, what a treat. To be disrupted again? <laughs> no. What a treat for this audience to have you guiding us through the next disruption. I don't like the way you said you. <laughs> you. <laughs> Uh, but I, think I do think, th- th- is this fair to think the the disruption to the creative profession? I think it's it, it will be very dramatic, and I, maybe Mike Lee made this point to me as well. The way I think it of think of it is this: like the high end's okay, but everything else is you're torched. You've been machinized, replaced. Mm-hmm. If you are like Crispin Porter at its heyday, billion dollar agency, we're cranking out. We have all these brands that are. We're just the agency of record. We do everything for them. So uh, Domino's wants to do some 10-second radio spot targeted to truck drivers in the Midwest. Well, there's some guy at some desk who has to just, like, take the boilerplate language, put it into a 10-second spot. Not a highly creative thing, but copywriting. I mean, that's gone, right? That well, becomes gone. You, now, you, now you just write the prompt. You write the prompt, you feed it you all You need the person data. to write the prompt. Is it the copywriter? Perhaps. But do you need more than one copywriter? Perhaps so you not. reduce the copywriters. You got somebody doing the prompt well. Mm-hmm. If I think it, I think this was um, 
this is what this gentleman, Paul Aaron, at Edition, who you might connect with, where he sees it going is these brands bring whatever, they bring in their own large language model. They secure it, but they feed it all their data, like it's theirs, yep. right? They feed it all their stuff, and once, and you know, it's, I'm sure it's difficult, and I'm sure it takes time, but then you get to the point where it's like, okay, uh, I'm sure you give it a cute name too, right? Like, Biff! Well... We could have a whole discussion oh. about anthropomorphism if you want. All right, Biff, for, for, for sakes, for the sake of Because to some people, point. a bot named Biff, they're going to think it's a bully. They're going to think of uh, Back to the Future. Oh. And they're gonna, they might be on their heels okay. for Biff Bot. Wheezy. But, I mean, I think if you, if you recall, Mark, what is not Wheezy? long after... Uh, Wheezy's a character name in the Jeffersons, maybe? Wheezy is uh, his, it's what he calls his wife. Yeah. That's not, I think, Louise is maybe her name. He calls her Wheezy. Maybe I shouldn't be. Okay. What? You can talk about the Jeffersons. It's a great <laughs> right. show. Uh, well, I wonder if there's, I mean, it's a cutting edge show. I don't know how it holds up today. Yeah, right. We were talking about Breakfast Club off mic. Mm. Somewhat problematic. But Mark, if you recall, right, not long after ChatGPT broke the world's <laughs> brain in half. Yep. Stanford University, some researchers there built their own the same people model. That got spell check into our. Oh, geez, I guess that's funny to think about. But they built a like a copy of it, essentially their own version of it for six hundred bucks, and that six hundred dollars <gasps> was mainly like the manual labor required to. Oh wow! Kind of assemble it and train it a bit. So that that's a pretty small investment. Yep. And even Mike Lee on the episode of Invisible Machines that released yesterday, YouTube channel Invisible Machines, go check it out. Uh, he taught. I think he's. Talks a bit in there about his own LLM. Yeah, right, right, right. And now he has like a Google Drive, basically, where if he dumps a file there, it becomes part of the training data. I think. So, Mark. Oh, boy. But I mean, what about you? What if you just had. I mean, I've thought about doing this myself. You have an LLM, you feed it all your past research and writing, you feed it every episode of this podcast, it can dis- distinguish between our voices. Then you have this very sophisticated. Model that could probably write in the brushian prose well, reasonably well, and you don't even need it to write. Never. Well, you don't need it to write polished product. What well, that, you would do right. is like if you got tasked right. with writing a research paper right. or doing something, and you're like, "Well, I've written extensively about this, and I've written extensively about that, but never right. together." Maybe I'll ask my large language model put together. A, even maybe it's just an outline, or put together. Well, that's right. A yeah. rough draft of a research article that combines. You know, food tech and hospitals. And then you start working from there. So We're then on the same page. You've given yourself superpowers so you can charge more because because the And I can do it much quicker. Yeah. Until people figure out how to do it themselves. Yeah. By then hopefully we'll all just be on the dole. <laughs> Didn't that kind of where I think this is heading? UBI? Well, you could make an Have argument, too. you talked too. about that? Because who was the damn presidential candidate last time that was UBI? That was his main platform. It wasn't Sanders, was it? You, UB, wait, wait, what is B? Universal basic income, I think. Oh, yeah. I was thinking wage. No, But who, you could also argue, UBI, right? Like these, these language models were trained on was, content that we all contributed Yang, to. Andrew Yang. Remember Andrew Yang? I do remember Yang. I'll bet you he comes back. He might. You hear what I'm saying, though? What'd you say? These large UBI. language models are trained on the internet, essentially. Yep. And we are people who contributed to content on the internet. 
Everyone has contributed in some form. Yeah, not always. If they've the used the internet, us, but yes. well, no, I'm not saying that. But we've contributed to their knowledge base. Oh, so we're getting paid for our work. Should we not? I mean, it's impossible, probably, to parse out like who. Interesting, right? Who who contributed what? So why not just factor that in? Because these companies. Oh, that's interesting. The companies in control are now going to probably make even more money than they've been making. All right, all the belly aching about social. But why should they get to hoard all that? Why should that benefit their shareholders and their bottom line? Shouldn't it just because? Shouldn't it be a shared resource? I like where you're heading. More pressure on that. Whether, well, what are they going to do with all that money? Whether it's well, when the world's completely engulfed in flames, like they're going to congratulations, go. you've got a big pile of worthless money. Yep, they're going to live on little islands. Aren't you glad you hoarded it? And now in you have bunkers. To live. <laughs> yeah, you spend the rest of your days with some of the worst people. <laughs> in well, the world. on a brighter note, where I th- where I think this ends up in the shorter term is more money. You. You will absolutely build the model and train it and have have a scaled-back marketing department that goes, okay, Biff, give me 10 ideas for this radio spot, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. you can take it and go, ah, I like this one, and refine it and go from there. But you're never – I think you're still a far ways away. You're not going to ask that tool – well, maybe you will just for the brainstorming. But you're not – the 30-second Super Bowl spot, the millions of dollars – or whatever the equivalent is, maybe that's not even that creative. Like pure creative exercise. Well, and I feel like the things that seem like creativity in these models are maybe often the hallucinations, where it fills in the blanks because it doesn't know. That's where it might actually provide something somewhat novel seeming. What are you looking at? I believe that is Paul Aaron training his large language model to do something for this Substack post. And yeah. showing you how he's doing it in real time. How yeah, he, and how I think one is. of Mike Lee's articles has, has his prompt for he he basically asked ChatGPT, "How do I God. create my own LLM on a computer?" And it yeah this tells is... you exactly what to do. <clears throat> basically, you just should take like a Python course. There's like a, I found a good hour long Python course. This guy, just... this is not even. Oh, this might be the Maui thing I told you about, where they ended up with the idea for a campaign to address the wildfires and he's, he's like oh yeah yeah I provide, the, idea. I provide the tool with a prompt using a slash command and from there the system retrieves blah 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 I give it the following prompt he's walking it through it man anyone can do it that is the one bright spot or another bright spot I suppose is that these tools are fairly democratized like that's a that that might you don't need a lot of resources to you do not them. need to know how to code well and also you don't need expensive equipment yeah once so what in the in the last of this mega section i mean well wait you didn't finish reading my article mark <laughs> no you don't have to read any more of it is there well there's probably some great part you well what's to... funny we were talking about spencer hamilton one of the people i reached out to i'll just go to the end as a source for that article was uh, Scott Bourne. Oh Jesus! Who's a professional skateboarder? Yeah, he's all. Oh, that's a skateboarder. He's a professional skateboarder. He's all over. Well, the a former, a retired professional skateboarder, but he he moved to Paris like decades ago. Like f- left the U.S., went to Paris, went and sat in like a farmhouse and wrote a novel on a typewriter. Oh wow! He continues to only pretty much write on typewriters or by hand. He doesn't have a phone, like no smartphone. Wow. Uh, he only corresponds like through the mail or on email. He'll, he'll check his email once a day. His, his uh, sign-off says, like, I only check this email account like, once Ooh. a day. 
Oh, cool. And when I sent him my questions, I I didn't hear back from him for a while because he was on a road trip with his family and he has no phone. And I knew, I mean, I kind of had a feeling that he would, like I asked How does he make all this work? Uh, Does he not need money or a job or he doesn't, he's a... I don't know how. I mean, they he they have a small publishing imprint. Okay. He published a children's book, modest, like Shel Silverstein esque, that was illustrated by a well known skate skartist, Todd Broadtrout. You know how he makes it work by making it work. That's he the makes it work. I think he and his wife might own like they live in Paris, and I think they own like a little boutique general store type thing. Yeah, they have like a small business, but I mean. <clears throat> Just living the life that lets you live the life. When you he was live. telling me about a publication, uh, now I can't remember what it was called, but I it was cool. It was, it was like this guy who publishes this literary journal, and it has no—I mean, it has a website, but you can't see the journal there. It's only in print. If you want to get in touch with him, it says to write him a letter, which is how Scott got in touch with him, and they'd hosted events together. But anyway, Scott gave me some great quotes because I—I well, had a feeling he would not be interested in having his own LLM or utilizing this technology. So I wanted to have that voice and then well, quoted another author that we talked to who, who basically said what we're talking about. Like go to the she media. had already started building, I think an LLM for her. Own. I would encourage listeners to just enjoy this whole article on observer.com, which is linked in our show notes. Of course. But after all of those wonderful quotes as a final tease, the article ends this way. Oh, I don't even remember how it ends. In a world oversaturated with generative content, it's possible that people will be more drawn to art that's being created by humans. Mm. On paper, machines can play jazz. But does anyone want to watch one take an extended solo over Coltrane's giant steps? I think not. What is the quality of the intentionality in that kind of content? What did that sentence just mean? Well, you have to kind of have read the previous Like sentence. most of the things we call art, the very heart of jazz is so tied to human experience and discipline that a machine's best attempt would be eternally relegated to the status of imitation. Final line. Maybe the question isn't, will the tool usurp the artist, but will we let it? Wow. That's a burning question. You're missing some commas there. But maybe the question isn't, will the tool usurp the artist? Well, maybe at least just one comma. I don't think so. I think it has perfect <laughs> grammar. What a, what a, uh, I mean, what a bang. You should have heard the guff I got for that giant steps thing. I was, well, I, first I asked Elias, my son, who's a jazz artist, a, prof- a professional jazz musician. He gets paid. I was like, hey, I want to make a point. Like what? That's a great one to pick. That's, I that's thought, well, that's what I thought. I was like, can I, and he's like, Ugh. it's pretty it's Dad, too everyone, obvious. Yeah. Well, but he said like it's. He said that one wasn't good because it's the hardest, one of the hardest songs to solo over, and so everyone kind of does the same thing. I think was his answer. I was like, well, I think that works for the point I'm trying to make. Right. It, so it, know your audience. Right. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Mark. Google Labs rolls out its AI first notebook. Do I care? Nah. Good. We've talked enough about AI. I think we have because I did. We oh, we haven't even gotten to the interlude. We got one left. Oh my god. Okay. We're already an hour and eleven minutes uh, in. Oh, it's gonna be a big one, folks. Buckle up. Plants really do scream. We just never heard it until now. Yes. Oh, please let me. We've talked about this before. Plants having feelings. 
Yeah, but you know what I loved about that article is it quotes from a lesser-known Roll Doll short story that I remember reading. My my parents had a book. It was in a bathroom. It was a collection of short stories that had appeared in Playboy magazine over the course. I don't know from like the in the sixties or something. And I I was flipping through. I was like, "What Roll Doll?" And I read it, and it was a crazy story. It's about a guy who invented a machine that you could put headphones on and like a mic up to like a tree. And if you started chopping it, you'd hear it screams. Very. And he can't believe this machine's working. And I believe at the end, he's like wanting to show someone, but somehow he's like, he's chopping down a tree to make sure he's hearing the scream or whatever, but the tree falls on the machine, (laughs) breaks it, which is kind of a lame twist, honestly. (laughs) But uh, anyway, well, um, plants under stress aren't as passive as you might think. They undergo dramatic changes, release powerful aromas, alter their color and shape. They, these can signal danger to other plants nearby. Uh, however, whether plants emit other kinds of signals, such as sounds, has not been fully explored until now. Mm. Plants can detect sound. The next logical, we proved that. The next logical yeah, like question, music. can they produce it? To find out, they recorded tomato and tobacco plants in a number of conditions. They recorded unstressed plants to get a baseline. Then they recorded plants that were dehydrated. Plants had their stems cut. Uh, These recordings took place first in a soundproof acoustic chamber, then in a normal greenhouse environment. They trained a machine learning algorithm to differentiate. Can I hear it if I hit play here? Oh, it's going to be an ad. It's going to be an ad. Oh. Is that a polyrhythm? The sounds plants emit are like popping or clicking noises in a frequency far too high-pitched for humans to make out. Unstressed plants don't make much noise at all. They just hang out, quietly doing their plant thing. Stressed plants? Communicating. 40, 40 clicks per hour. Well, did you hear the... They've been working on... With a notable sound profile, depending on the stress. Like I believe they've been, using, they've been using machine learning to try and uh, decode whale language and dolphin language, and they are getting reasonably close to doing it. Can't wait. Which, to me, says we better start writing our apology letter now and translating that, because whales are going to be pissed. <laughs> They're like, we don't understand it. Everything's getting warmer. All the fish are dying. We're like, well, yeah, isn't that weird? Don't know what happened there. I think we have to come clean you just, to just, the plants and the whales. What are you doing? Getting ready for the for the. Uh, oh, is it time for the interlude? Uh, yeah. Oh, good. I need a, a brief break. I might need to pee. <laughs> what am I? What am I? Uh, what are we hearing? A surprise. Oh. It'll remind us of something we need to do. Wipe my ass.
Welcome back. 9,000, episode 182, Nitro Rain. Did that lovely song by the specials uh, send a quiver through your to-do list, Mark? Mm, yes, it made me want to ignore them. What? Huh? Oh, I was just wondering if... Uh, we have some unfinished business. What? That song is prominently featured, I believe, in the first episode of Can't Get You Out of My Head. Oh! Ah, which well, we I still knew. need to wrap up the BBC Buddies series. I think we're on to the last episode, so we just need to get through that, and then we need to get uh, in a call with Adam Curtis to talk about a, you know, a documentary that he made. 10 years ago. <laughs> I think we do, but I'll, yeah, I will have to refresh. Maybe I'll just listen to the podcast we did. We made it pretty easy. Here's what you do, Mark. Oh my God. Uh-oh. You feed the BBC Buddies series Uh-oh. to an LLM. Yep. And then you ask said LLM to summarize our findings. Give us some questions, some ideas, <sighs> conversation starters. I'm sure Adam would love that. We could be having a ribald conversation with Adam Curtis, then towards the end of it, and be like, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, we did this whole thing on a machine. These questions were generated by an LLM. What's the name of that? What's the name of the his documentary again? Can't get you out of can't my get head. you out of my head. Can't get you out of my head, boy. What a what a ball baller move." To net, right? Am I remembering correctly? the baller move? He never plays the Kylie Minogue song in the show. I don't think so. Yeah, baller move. There's so many baller things happening in that wonderful... That was a wonderful and strange... Series. <laughs> what is it? Always Mounting Dread. Lots Josh! Mounting Dread. Speaking of Mounting Dread, I have great hopes for this article. I haven't read it, but I can't wait to dive in. New tinnitus therapy. You might prefer tinnitus. <laughs> Tinnitus. Can, can quiet tor- torturous ringing in the ears. Yeah, I read that one. Oh, you did? Is it? A- um. Well, it seemed you like- read all. You went through the doc and read things. I'm not you. <laughs> I, I do my research, Mark, oh. or some oh. of it. Oh, oh. burn oh, for this podcast. <laughs> Asterisk. Mark does the most sometimes, thorough research you sometimes. can possibly imagine. I remember plenty a day coming over here going. Are we ready? You're like, uh, sure. I'm just well, going to wing it. <laughs> hey, I flipped the script on you, buddy. Yep. Uh, we've changed. We've, we talked about this in the kitchen moments ago. Well, I guess it's been an hour now, but the roles have reversed. Here I am in oversized, elasticized waist ah. pants and a, a shirt that's flowy and billowy. And there you are in a tight black t-shirt and skinny jeans. So much has changed. There you are in your skinny jeans, having not read the article on tinnitus. Oh, yeah, and me that? over here in my flowy pants, I read it. And I'll tell you, it talks about some tinnitus sufferers have an experience where... Mo- where an alien descends in the night and impregnates their ear canal. And then they go to the doctor and say, I think this is what happened. What do you think? And the doctor humors them. That might have happened. But makes a note in the file. <laughs> well, Let's do the schizophrenia questionnaire at the next visit. 
I can't remember if we talked about my guided mushroom journey on this podcast or not. But oh, the, but wait, my, wait, wait, wait! No, this is not the go out into the woods with guns and see what happens. <laughs> this is the guided, more safe, therapeutic. So version. this is a more recent event. It's for my birthday back in June. I had an eye mask on. Uh, but Deb, my guide, she, when I told her that story, she you was had like, an "Eye mask on." You mean as part of the? Yeah, like okay. so. I was just laying in in the void. I ended up going to the void and hanging out in the void. No, we for, haven't talked about this. A long time, but uh, when I told her about the alien impregnating my ear, she was like nodding. She was like, "Yep." She who the guided shaman? Yeah, she's yeah, awesome. Shocker! No, no, not- no. But she said that she was in Hawaii. Was she at Bogusky's house? No, but she saw an alien, and her ears started ringing <gasps> immediately. And oh, the connection! Screaming, ringing in her ear, and then but then she uh, became ill. And she said when she threw up, the ringing stopped. <clears throat> but she agreed. She also told me that I'm a plebeian, I think. A plebeian? Pletian. I think I... You're a plebeian. My star energy comes from a cluster of stars, the Pleiases or something. Um, but I'm essentially... I was put here to do important work, Mark. And... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking God. <laughs> so it made sense that the alien presence is just in there it's it's waiting it hasn't been given permission to move on but i think what will bring it so you're like what do you call those you're not a plant whatever you're going to be activated later on no i'm not going to be activated what do do they call those you're not a clone you're a A sleeper cell or something yeah whatever no it's nothing like that but part of the reason i went to this shaman and had this experience was because as we discussed i'm nearing completion it's taken me longer than i would like to finish these last few pages of of my novel called alamosa you're really that close couple pages i told you i wanted to get it to an even 150 and i'm at like 140 and what i'm doing now like the whole story's in place so what i do you not know how to bring it home no it's i have the, i have it all it's oh. all done what i'm doing now is actually kind of i don't want to print a draft yet i probably could but i'm just going through now tip to tail and I'm cleaning up and adding things because yeah. there's there's portions where I went a little quickly and now you're, I want to go back and add details. Buddy. You're delaying finishing no, it. No, I'm injecting it with the final needs, the things it needs. Well, but couldn't you do that after you'd written the last 10 pages? No, it's done. Like the ending's there. Oh. It's all finished essentially, but there are portions where I need to go through and, oh, okay. and just re- add I some, retract. a little more depth. I retract my comment. But part of the reason I wanted to do that guy You're just getting louder and louder as the show goes on. Part of the reason I wanted to do the guy I just went to the store. I wanted to do the guided journey because part of that part of the novel is the alien experience. I don't want to give away too much, but but that experience plays into a major mechanical piece of the story. Wonderful. And so I wanted to talk through the story with her. While you were guiding on your journey, or while before, I was, while I was, uh, does the guided does the guided process here involve a couple pre sessions and a post session sort of thing? No, I went. You just just full. There on. was a post session. <clears throat> I went and we talked for like probably o- almost an hour and a half before dosing. Before dosing, I was just telling her about What's the project this? and like what my intention was for the experience. You're getting comfy. Yeah, she was. She's awesome. She's like really. This is great to be around. This is in her place. It's There's like place. in an office park in Lowry. 
But it's on a street that's got a funny name. It's like Power Circle Street. It's really bad. But but she has a, a safe place. Yeah. And basically, like, after we sat on, we just sat and I told her everything. Then I ate some chocolates that she had. Was this a heavy dose or you've done, you've dosed this before. I assume this was mushrooms. It was psilocybin. psilocybin. She gave me a dose. It wasn't like, I, I ended up, she was wanted to give me 2.5 grams, but we started at two. She said that also, like she said, I was very open. Uh, and she, well, she said, and when she didn't you're, want when you to shit yourself. If you've done it before and you're like open to the experience, it doesn't take as much to get you there. Always. Oh, nice. She said some people, like, if they're really, like you, are kind of closed and cloistered, it might take you a bigger ten, dose. Ten grams. It might take you a bigger dose to crack you open. But, yeah, then I just had a, an eye mask on, and I just laid on a mattress, like, on the floor with some blankets. And she holds your hand? No, but she was sitting next to me, and I just talked her through a lot music, of, like, the... Music? Some There was flutes? some music at one point, and I kind of just talked her through... I would think they would ask you about music. Things like, that were book what adjacent. Kind of music would you she like? did. She I think she put on like Tibetan chanting or something. Okay, gotcha. Or bowls, singing bowls. I can't remember. You didn't say idols. I didn't want that. I just wanted something mellow. But we just talked through a lot of stuff and like a lot of details about my dad came up, which I hadn't expected. But he did pass somewhat tragically. So it was good to talk through all that stuff. During, and it was just like my mind was just pre? racing. What? Are you pre or during now? This is during the journey. I just had the eye mask on. What I remember is that my lungs felt like my chest cavity felt cavernous and paper thin. And when I would breathe, it just felt so expansive. And then that's where I ended up was in this dark void. And I told her about my my death rebirth experience. Obviously, I told her about that. But um, in that one, I like it ended with light. Like it was like I was moving towards that kind of classic tunnel of light, like a literal death. But this one went the other way. This one I went into the void, which she said is common. And <laughs> and I was in there a long time, but it was weird because it was it was yeah, vast emptiness. Tell us what you mean, Josh. Vast well, emptiness. There was a vast emptiness, but there was also like something calming I'm in, about I'm picturing stranger things where she there was just nothing really I, like I've had mushroom experiences where it was like very visual um, don't you know what I'm talking about in a straight that's the upside the void down. the upside down yeah it's just yeah well the void is like floor. yeah like it's like it's the darkness it's the emptiness but there was there was something somewhat soothing about it in knowing that it was inevitable but also there was something kind of non-threatening about it so it wasn't uncomfortable. It wasn't as scary as I guess that might sound. It's hmm, good. But uh, it did kind of stick with me, honestly, for a while. Like I, I came out of it feeling motivated, feeling like I had what I needed to finish my book, but also like mm. I wasn't kind of a funk for like a week. I just felt like kind of like... Mm. I've, I've seen the truths that I... But back to the I, tinnitus thing, Mark. But wait a minute. The, so the alien thing made sense to her, and I wouldn't be surprised, Mark, this... I'm hesitant to even verbalize this claim because I don't want to... I'm hoping it materializes, but maybe by saying it, I will anger the alien spirit. I don't know. But my my hope is I finish this book, publish it, get it out in the world. Because during during that experience, we were like intentionally trying to give that... You're saying goodbye that to ...that energy... Tentative? Permission to find a new home. It doesn't need to be. It can stay in my body, but you know you can hang out in my ankle or so. You don't have to like be making all this racket. You want a buzzing cock? 
I mean, the, I guess that's one option. I mean, be careful what you ask for. Well, I mean, I was hoping that it would find like a nice. It just doesn't. It does. It's it's made its point. I hear. You. I hear <laughs> all you. that energy locates like in your left testicle. It feels like it's on fire, Doc. All right. Well, I hopefully it, it just leaves. Maybe it'll just moving leave. from my ear to my ball. Maybe because it started in my right ear. It was trying to go out my left ear. It got caught up. Oh, Maybe right? it'll just drift away. So your history of this condition has been: uh, it's moved ears. No, no, no. When it announced itself, when the oh, alien okay. form appeared in my bedroom, right. and the ringing came, it came from the right side. I was laying in bed. The alien was to my right on the landing. A classic Streber alien, and the ringing. Came there, passed through my head, and then it sounded like it was going out the left side, but then it, it was almost like it got caught on something. It got stuck. Oh, Josh, it got stuck in Like here. a shirt as you're, you're trying to navigate through some brambles, and your clothing gets caught. Tugs, it stays, it's stuck. So there it is. But I'm, I'm how hoping- big, How big was your Streber alien? Danny DeVito's height. Oh, it was but not a not, not a not uh, tiny. It was well. I mean, but it wasn't like it was. Just, I think I was taller than it. And it was. It seemed to have mass and be of flesh. And was it of any color? Was it? It was of silly putty hue. Yeah. Okay. And for this guided journey, if I'm understanding it correctly, the first phase of it was lighter. The second phase was darker and void. No, the void was early on. Early on and never left. Quickly. No, I feel like I came out of the void by the end. And how long was you totally guiding? How long were you under? I got dropped off there at like 11 a.m., I think. Right. We probably didn't take the medicine until almost two or one, probably like one. Okay. And then when she called Nikki to come pick me up, I think it was like 5 p.m. Oh, my God. It went by very quickly, though. That's that's so you spent six hours with the guide. Yep. And after after the dose was four or five hours. Yeah. Gotcha. That's about how long it takes. Yeah. And I think I, I can I have the option to go. And in. now are they giving you like? Or did is, I is it almost like the gummy world now, where the psilocybin is like measured? Oh yeah, it's very precise. It's very precise. Gotcha. Yeah. High quality medicine, mm-hmm. synthetic perhaps even. No, extracted from natural. It was sources. grown from in her backyard. No, she got it from a guy who grows it and lives in the Bay Area. She <laughs> got it from a guy. <laughs> but it's like a reputable medicine man. All right, so man, back. back <clears throat> so anyway, with the tinnitus, back with the tinnitus. So in that article, it talks about how right there are certain tinnitus sufferers who they're the ringing flares as they move their neck or if they, you know, like the position of their head so affects it. It's almost physiological. It's like there's the yes, physiological component. Uh, right. That is not my experience. Okay. My experience is just won't shut up ringing. There was one time when I was in Florida at Disney World where I got a really intense whooshing sound. Like a and it was there for like better part of a day into the night uh it, it that i panicked a bit at that one because if you read about Millier's disease i think is what it's called that's the whooshing <clears throat> that's the version of tinnitus that huey lewis has 
and he can't even perform anymore because it's so bad he can't tell if he's in tune. He can't hear his own voice the right way. It's really kind of horrifying. But anyway, I don't have that physiological component to it, and I think this treatment seems to be most effective to the people who have that. Gotcha. But it sounds like it was. it's pretty similar to some of the treatments that I'd heard about where you like, it's like sound therapy, right? Yep. So, anyway. All right. Well, you have other remedies afoot. The, the, birth, this, of, the birth of the novel and the death of a... We'll see, man. Don't, alien don't be surprised. Energy. I won't be surprised. If, it, if, the, if the alien spirit moves on. The, there, it might be I, an emissary from Pleiades. Or it could be a, from way, where my energy a is way for your brain originates. to express its ability or inability to deal with the stresses of life. Because what happens with any sort of chronic pain or chronic, I guess, is that a pain condition? I don't know. It doesn't hurt. It's just annoying. A chronic condition like that is you become sensitized to the problem. And therefore, and you become overly sensitized to it compared to other people. Like, I don't want to overstate this because it's a real thing. But like, somebody else at Disneyland might get a whoosh and go like, "Uh uh-oh, what's that? As opposed to you, which is like, I know what that is. Yeah. This could become this. This could become that. And you end up locking onto it in a way. Yes. So all sorts of things could be, of course, you could finish your novel and rub one out. And <laughs> what? Are, the you, aliens, are you likening the, the aliens come out writing with, a novel to just rubbing seed. one out? Yes. Oh, you're saying that, that Ex- first time I rub one out, <laughs> the alien. So I got to be careful to yeah. take care of that myself and not risk passing it on. Yeah, don't do that into a sock and then not wash it well. Because then whoever puts on that sock will get the ringing. It could be the aliens. Or the buzzing in their foot or cock or whatever you're talking about. (laughs) Your buzzing nut. Yep. Oh, Josh. (laughs) What a great segment. More than than half of Earth's species live in the soil, (laughs) study finds. Soil estimated to be home to 90% of world's fungi, 85% of plants, and more than 50% of bacteria, making it the world's most species-rich habitat. Yep. We think we're so special. And not only is it species-rich, it's its own neural network, almost. There's information being passed. I think we've talked about it, Mark. You were talking about... Those screaming plants, Josh. Did I share? I think we've talked about it on this podcast. There were some researchers studying mushrooms, and they found that fungal bodies also, they along mycelium networks, can send sound. They can communicate. Oh, they have their own language. There were certain aspects of this language that were similar to human communication. I'm not 100% clear on what those similarities were. It's been a while since I read the article. But mushrooms, communicating, verbalizing. Needs, wants, desires. So we got it. We have to really work on our apology. I don't know to so many uh, systems and to I, nature as a whole. I suppose I don't. Yeah, but we're gonna have to parse that out in all these different languages. We're gonna have to apologize to the whales, the dolphins. It's just not gonna happen. We'll be apologizing to dogs, cats. We are gonna learn more and more about how interconnected it is and how important something like the soil is, and we are going to be more and more fucked by our inability to slow down or take a few steps backwards even mm. and reconsider. Nope. We don't do it. We're not wired to do it. We're hurling ourselves forward. Forward, forward. I can do it. AI, I got, yes, if I can do it, I'd do it. Forward, forward. 
We got to outrun it. We need to find a way, Mark, to... I wish I didn't believe that, but if I'm being honest, I do. Yeah, it's the incentives. We are not going to turn the planet into organic soil. Oh, no, that ship has sailed. <laughs> right? That approach versus outrunning it by... I think we're in mitigation Uploading stage. the consciousness to the Pleiades zone, whatever that was, and let Josh be the important emissary that he is. Maybe you're the one that's going to help us do that. I might be the Neo, Mark. You're Neo. <laughs> CRISPR crops are here. Foods genetically edited using CRISPR technology are beginning. F -f -f food check. Food. Remember uh, that one? I do, but I want to hear it in. It sounds pretty much like that. It's <laughs> a pretty good an imitation of it. It just has more echo. How are they different from GMOs? Well, we could parse that, but which CRISPR crops? That's all I. Well, really but want to the know. deal is right that. Could it feed the CRISPR, world? CRISPR crops, isn't isn't it kind of like a side door in? Like you don't have some of that stigma. CRISPR is not used to add any foreign genes into the edited organism, but rather to eliminate or correct unwanted genetic traits. You're not going cross-species, right. transgenic. But is it genetically modified? I would think yes. You are technically modifying the genes. So that would signal GMO. But... What we know and are fearful of with GMOs is not at play with CRISPR. Yeah. And do we, I mean. Typically. I think, isn't it something like oh. every, every week the average human now or American or Western world person consumes a credit card's worth of plastic? Yeah, that's probably a bigger problem than I, I think that's your GMO. Uh, the very first CRISPR-edited food appeared on the consumer market in 2021 when Sanitech Seed, a Tokyo-based startup, began selling the Sicilian Rouge High Gabba Tomato. <gasps> Yo, Gabba Gabba. Do you know what Gabba does? Produces oxytocin. You know what oxytocin does? It makes you happy with life. These are happy tomatoes. Happy teas? This variety of tomatoes contains high amounts of gamma aminobutyric acid, GABA, a neurotransmitter produced naturally in several brain areas through a reaction in which glutamate, the body's most abundant amino acid, is bound to vitamin B6 by glutamate decarboxylase. Oh, so does that? that's one of those foods that increases dopamine levels. Foods naturally rich in GABA include tomatoes, beans, peas, mushrooms, and cruciferous vegetables. They're trying to up the GABA. I thought I, I don't think I'm wrong that it leads to you're seldom wrong Mark. oxytocin production but anyway yeah would that also lead to increased dopamine levels glutamate I mean potentially the raw potential is there Mark I'm looking for the I'm looking for those words uh, all right whatever hey man I don't know that's interesting what if that's like here's the natural equivalent of a antidepressant that we're going to give you through GABA, which is already in your tomatoes, but we're going to jack up that GABA and you're going to eat these tomatoes and you're going to be a little happier. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing. The only thing you've been thinking of? There's just too little of. Oh, just that's the one. All right, Josh, CRISPR. That's your CRISPR update. Another hard right or left turn to being Gwyneth's guest, be Gwyneth's guest. Okay. There's episode 80. Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, take, so many wonderful a, episodes. I was, I was flipping through the damn channels last night. With that thumb right there? Look, <laughs> yep. And 
look, I can't even, I, I, it hurt me to even stop, but I was, Shark Tank was on some network. She's on Shark Tank. Gwyneth? She, doesn't it seem like there's this caliber of people who had a degree of celebrity? It's like, what becomes of them over, over time, right? But I feel like she's still considered kind of an A-list I think she is, but what movies is she? She doesn't do movies, right? It's been a minute. Well, and is that no, because she was in the she was in uh, Avengers? She was Tony Stark. She was Pepper Potts. She be in well. The, what was that? Ten years ago? Endgame. When did that come out? She was. Know. She was Maybe Iron. I mean, she put on the suit, man. Maybe I'm not paying attention. Maybe it's just. But yeah, I don't feel like she's in a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of like Gwyneth Paltrow vehicles anymore. Was it's she, like she just turns up in a role here. And there. Was she? So was she? Was was acting ever the end game for her, or was it celebrity and media and, and mogul status? Mogulhood. Josh, we'll never know, but there is. We do know this: there is no life experience Gwyneth Paltrow cannot goopify. Lighting a candle, famously, but also masturbating. Owning a pet, changing oh, your body's rubbing diaper. Rubbing one out, huh, Mark? Being sued in a court of law, even poop. <laughs> Still, the latest move in her tireless quest to wellness pill the rest of us is arguably her most surprising. Gwyn is renting out the guest house of her Montecito property on Airbnb. That seems like a risky move. <laughs> it sure does. Because you're going to invite some people who really want to probably... You know, spend some time with you. Bend her ear. Joining <laughs> joining Airbnb in a mission to make the world a little less lonely, as she explained on her on her Instagram. California's preeminent yoni egg peddler. Oh, this. Oh, the yoni pros, egg. This prose is so jabby. Is offering a one night only chance for two guests or one, should you want to battle loneliness alone, to hang out in the tranquil serenity of the smaller building situated next to the much larger one she inhabits. Boy, I hope she's got like a good security detail because that seems rife with potential risk. That is like, you know what? That is, yeah, that's like a, it's like a black mirror version of our fabled journey. To spend the weekend with Mark Bittman out in the idols of the oh, in Cold Springs, Cold Spring, upstate New, New York. York. This is a, a dark equivalent of that. <laughs> She's going to cook you steel cut oats in the morning. We weren't dark agents, though. We were there to. Oh, no, that was nothing but. Light. And I remember, I I remember like having that feeling. We were in that little guest house, tinkering around with our mics. We're like, this could be our thing. I, we could be doing fun? this. We could be coming out here multiple times a year. Oh, that would have been great. Culling content. Welcome to my Montecito home. Behind me is my beautiful little guest house, which I'm about to list on Airbnb. I wonder. Oh, this is good. Oh, boy. This is our guest house. You can't see it. Yeah, that seems like a visual. Something tells me that the real payoff there is less in the one night only fee and more in whatever they paid her to make that Instagram clip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Josh. Collaborations galore, Mark. Oh, that uh, we did our to the dirt section. We got gooped. <laughs> we got a couple more. <laughs> Jeez, really? To the smoothies. All right, we'll go quick. Okay. Whew. This is Ask Well in the New York Times. You're a well contributor at one point in your life, weren't you? Motherload. Oh, motherload. Does blending fruit in a smoothie affect its nutrients? Oh, there's good news for smoothie we slurpers. Have, we have good news and a little advice. 
you've read this, I guess. Maybe you sent it to me. I think I read the subhead. I think you provided this article. If I blend fruits and vegetables into a smoothie, do they lose nutrients or fiber? God, I hate it when they don't give me... Unlike juicing, blending blending can incorporate incorporate all of the edible parts of fruits and vegetables, including the skin, seeds, and pulp. So it's nutrition can be nutritionally very similar to eating the produce whole. Shouldn't de- shouldn't degrade the vitamins or minerals. It will not immediately harm certain an- immediately harm certain antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compounds like anthocyanins and flavanols. Good source of fiber. Blending does, however, break the fibers into smaller pieces. I, th- I had a feeling the fiber would take a hit. Which will... will are you getting sick over there? <laughs> I'm being affected by this story. <laughs> Which will affect how they move through your digestive system. Some types of fibers, when chopped into bits, may disperse more quickly. Lose some of that roughage effect. Hmm. And also, oh, there's some blood sugar effect here. Well, this is good. I've actually been... as well, This article caught my eye, Mark, because I recently have busted out the old Vitamix and I've been using it a lot. Interestingly though, I don't know if you have a Vitamix, like the I sure do. The bottom component of the blender is like a heavy kind of metal disc. Yep. That disc has like cracked on mine. It's like Ooh. there's rust on it and it's cracked so it doesn't like sit totally down on the thing so it kind of like teeters a bit but it still works. Mm. They might have a lifetime on those. You might be able to get a new one. Oh, that's a good point because they're like a hundred bucks on Amazon. Oof. But that's anyway. cheap. They're more than that. No, just the pitcher replacement, not the whole unit. Because oh, yeah. my motor is still humming along. But yeah, I've been making shakes, and I've I've learned some things about. I, I get a lot of complaints about my shakes because <laughs> what I always do. Here's what I'll do. I'll like one day I'll make a shake that everyone will love. Like it'll just have a couple bananas, some strawberries. Simple. I keep it simple. And everyone's like, ooh, this is good. You should make another shake tomorrow. I'm like, okay. And I can't just leave well enough alone. I got to go digging through my supplement drawer. I'm like, oh, here's some protein powder that I bought three years ago. It doesn't smell too musty. Like, I think I should, let's use this up too. And then I'll make it. And I'll end up being the one to drink it all because no one wants it. So I've learned that lesson. But what I've been doing that I'm excited about, Mark, that I think could be just the thing, just the shot in the arm you need is I've been buying like the big, I don't like buying clamshells, but sometimes the Willet Sprouts, they have the big clamshell of organic ginger. Oh, I think you so me. And then I'll buy a jar of apple juice and I have some lemon juice and I I, I make some ginger shots. Is it? So I am you, straining it? it because I'll, I'll just throw the, I don't even skin the ginger. I wash it, throw it in, pour in some apple juice put in a little lemon juice and then just Vitamix it and then I pour it through a strainer oh. and then I have like these ginger shots. I see. It's a, it has a wasabi effect. Like you drink it and you're like... <laughs> but the most recent batch, I actually added turmeric to the mix too and that that peppery element of turmeric kind of cut the, the bite of the ginger a bit. Mm. And that is just an anti-inflammatory bonanza happening there. So but just small to, quantities, right? Yeah, this one day, uh, like, uh, yes, I poured a little more than usual one day, and I tried to take it in a single shot. <laughs> I was like in the bedroom with Nicole, and Arius was there, and like it, I it didn't make it, <laughs> and I coughed it up, and it was like 
I was just, <laughs> I was a mess. I was in the closet, just like, ah, ah, and just spitting and frothing and making a huge mess that I had to clean up. Oh, God. Uh, probably. But I tell you what, once it subsided, you felt great. I poured myself a new shot and Ooh. took it. All right, I might try that. Ginger, you throw it in there raw, but you that papery skin, you're going to have to strain that out. I strain it. I have, yeah, I actually have I've got a, a pour-over coffee thing that I bought with like a metal I've got sieve. a good, good strainer for it. Um, ginger, apple juice, that's it? Oh, lemon, lemon juice. juice. Sometimes I'll like throw a little honey in there if I'm feeling a honey. Or a little turmeric. Or turmeric. Josh, a whiff of genius. Simple fragrance method boosts cognitive capacity by 226%. Did you put this in here? I don't know. I don't think so. I like a fragrance, though. When a fragrance, when a fragrance wafted through the bedrooms of older adults for two hours every night for six months. Does it have to be a specific type of Memories fragrance? skyrocketed. All right, so that was the study. They wafted a fragrance through the bedroom of older adults for two hours every night. Uh, they re- Yes, this was the study. What, was to- it a specific, was uh, it like a, a fragrance designed to jar loose? Yeah, 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 yeah. Memories? Uh, there's so many pop-ups. Oh, God, hold on. Please, how do I get rid of this one? I, it's covering the article. How do I get rid of this one? Oh, there's a little X. There's a little X. By now. Click that one. Go go away. Oh, it's not going away. People in the control group. Okay. The pa- scientists. Okay. I'm getting worked up here. Deep breath. Ah. Oh, fuck you. All right. Next article. Or are you? Oh, we can't let it go now. No, I gotta see what the damn scents were. Bergamot. I'm, I'm going to the. I'm, this article is terrible. I'm going to the source study. Riveting radio. Speaking of radio shakeups, Mark, are you a 104.3 the fan listener? Mm. Because they unceremoniously let go. Afternoon drive time <coughs> host Darren McKee, aka DMac. Oh, you're a big DMAC fan. No, I well, I don't love DMAC's takes so much, but what I like about him, and I feel like Mike Evans has the same thing, they are radio pros. Yep. There's something about hearing a radio pro. You know what I'm saying? Because radio pros elevate the non-pros. If you listen to Schlereth and Evans in the morning, Schlereth is the body everyman, the loose cannon, the one prone to talking about bodily fluids or whatever. And Mike Evans... Gives him just enough, like leeway, and then, but then he knows how to corral them back in and bring the segment home. He is a radio pro. Darren McKee had the same abilities, and I mean, they have some other, like old school radio heads there, I'm sure. But it was a strange move, and it was just sudden because I was listening last night, and Zach buys hosting with Philip Lindsay. Remember him? <laughs> yes, the undrafted phenom. Yes, who somehow like. Broke a bunch of records, but couldn't find a team. All right. All right, I'm trying to fill this dead air, Mark. Look. You got me talking about sports I fi- radio. I figured out that they gave them a... Uh, a smell, a wash. Seven. There's seven of them. Uh, Is this the last article? There's one more. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, sense memory. We know that. But we know that. We know that 
Four essential. <sighs> it can be stronger than taste, sight, sound. Sometimes a smell can transport you back to a place. There's so many of these studies, like four odorants twice daily. I, so, Mark, we're the seven. If you caught, seven different odorants a week, one per night. If you That's caught a, a whiff, using if, a if they wafted into your bedroom, the smell of a mildly musty Evian bottle. It's not musty. That had been used for an entire year. There's a little bit of musk because a little bit of your bio-ness has seeped into the water. So there's a little bit of bacterial action happening in there. So there's just the fit. There is an odor. It's barely perceptible. But if they wafted it into your room, you would probably wake up like entrenched in that time of your life. You would wake up bottle flip first time. You (laughs) did. Stunning to consider. I found them. Good job filling all that. Seven essential oils. Odorants were used. Rose, orange, eucalyptus, lemon, peppermint, rosemary, and lavender. Hey, from the Essential Oil Company out of Portland, Oregon. I have some of their oils in In identical glass vials that each fit into the diffuser. I don't want there to be Thanks any for that confusion detail. over that. Remember when I was on the uh, Holly Chrysum oil? It's, it's like rumored to help tinnitus. So I would like rub it in my ear hole. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, Josh, we made it. The curious ways your skin shapes your health. Oh yeah, that one was interesting. Weathered or unhealthy skin is emerging as a major risk factor for almost every single age-related disease from Parkinson's to type 2 diabetes. Fuck you. I am getting weathery old man skin now that I have crossed 50. Well, do you use lotions? Eh. All right. Well, I would Jenny, consider. Jenny walked in the other night. I'm like, I was like, is this skin cancer? And she, 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 she goes, I think it's okay. Keep an eye on it. Are you wearing sunscreen? And I, and I said, nah, not every day. And then she went, how many days? I'm like, not every day. <laughs> not any day. <laughs> I was tr- trying to dodge that one, but I wear a hat now that I'm a bald man, baldish man. I'm going to show you a, a, a like a cream that. Nikki purchases that I use sometimes. It's like a skin cream that has like a SPF to it, like a mineral based. Nice. SPF. Uh, I think you should get some of that. And you put a pump in every morning, you rub it all over your face and, you know, dome. <laughs> I'm not going to rub it in my hair, though. You could. People, eh, I guess you could. Yeah. It's good. It won't hurt you. Get it on your, all around your neck, your ears. And you just get in the habit of using that every day. You're going to protect yourself from the sun, but you're also going to moisturize your skin, which it turns out is really important, which is weirdly, I don't know why it's surprising when you think about it. The skin, I don't know if you knew this, Mark. Oh, Jesus, I know this. That the skin is the largest organ in the body? Yes. <laughs> You'd heard that one before? <laughs> no way. <laughs> but if you think about it, 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 not only is it the largest organ, it's also the only, or one of the organs that's, or at least the most exposed to the elements, right? Correct. It's interpreting the world for you. It is. It's taking in uh, UV rays, but it's also getting the vitamin D. It's, you know, when you're waiting in the Python Lake, maybe, you know, it's taking in some of the ringworm eggs. You never know. Like, skin is just left to bear the brunt. So I think the lesson we've learned, Mark, you got to keep that skin covered. I've been looking for a sun hoodie for myself. I think maybe I should get one for you, too. Because you don't uh, want to be that leathery guy. Josh, 80% of visible visible skin damage is UV-based. If you spent your whole life indoors with the curtains drawn 
it's possible that you might not see significant alterations to this organ until you reach your 80s. Truer words were never spoken. 80-year-old newborn baby, wouldn't that... Or you could be an episode 182-year-old newborn baby, nitro raining out into the stratosphere. 